Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 269 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by... One of my best friends in this entire world. It is, of course, the former heavyweight world title challenger himself, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how are you today, man? I'm good, my man. How are you? All good. Always, always good. Always good when, when speaking with you, my friend. Um, same as ever. This podcast is going to be um, pretty simple. It's going to be kind of, you know, done in the classic way. We're going to do the review part. Then we're going to bring in one guest. Then we're going to do... Uh, that's going to be part one. Then in part two, we're going to go over the news. Eddie's quiz question will will be revisited, and then we'll do the preview part. And then the uh, the show will end on um, on the second and final guest. And it's it's good because you know during the lockdown we've had a bunch of you know fighters on from the yesteryear, ex world champions, people like that. And it's been quite a while, really, since we've had any prospects on the podcast. We kind of go for guys at the top level of the sport, really. So that vibrator's on again, Eddie. Oh, no, that was there. Sorry, that's... Pull, wait, pause, pause. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just realized what you said. No, that was... <laughs> That was somebody sent me a message. It's all good. It's all good. But no, I was gonna say it's been quite a while since we had um, since we had a you know a, a prospect on the podcast. So we've got two this week. We're back to two guests, uh, which is you know which is the way we usually did things before the lockdown. So a, a bit of a return to normality. Anyway, let's start with the review part. We're going to start here at the Wembley Arena in London, United Kingdom. Last week, this one was. I'm going to start with the undercard. Um, a win for Larone Richards. He moved to 14 and oh, I kind of expected him to get his opponent out of there, really. Timo Lane uh, managed to go the distance. It was only an eight rounder, but Larone Richards absolutely shut Timo Lane out. Larone Richards, obviously, um, in his first fight with Matram, so he's now 14 and oh. Uh, also on the bill, Shannon Courtney picked up a win. She's now 6-1. and one. A TKO for her against Dorota Narek. Narek was down prior to the stoppage. Um, it was, it was, you know, it was a, it was a good fight, actually, that one there. Because Narek came to fight, but um, the shot that put her away, I mean, oh, it was a, it was a hellacious punch, actually, from Shannon Courtney. It really was. It was a one-punch knockout, and it was brilliant. Um, I think Narek did get up, but she'd had enough. She just went straight back to her corner. She didn't want to fight, and you couldn't blame her. It was an absolute um, beauty of a punch, really, from Shannon Courtney. So she's now 6-1. and one. Um, Good for her to return to winning ways as well after that defeat to Rachel Ball. Um, elsewhere on the card, James Tennyson picked up a win. He's now 28-3. and three. A first-round KO against Josh O'Reilly, who was actually undefeated going in. 16-0 and 0 going in. James Tennyson, obviously, um, you know, a guy who... 
it's strange, man. I said it on on Twitter. He's kind of like caught in between levels because I think he's you know he's better than British level. He's better than uh, European level. He's been a European champion. He's been a British champion. But then when he stepped up against Tevin Farmer um, and James Tennyson, by the way, is absolutely massive for the weight. And that fight was at super featherweight. He's now moved to lightweight and he's massive for lightweight. This guy's a giant. But when he got in there with Tevin Farmer. Um, even though he's got so you know so much uh, punch power, he could not trouble Farmer, and Farmer actually took him out, which Farmer doesn't usually do to opponents. So that didn't look good, and obviously he's he's kind of since then picked up a few wins, but um, you know not really against fantastic opposition. So it's kind of hard. He is definitely better than European level. But I don't think he's world level, so he's somewhere in between. But there isn't anywhere in between, so he's found himself um, in a bit of a situation. But hopefully, he gets a world title shot. Johnny Nelson afterwards. I mean, I, I, I wanted to kind of miss it, but for him to say that James Tennyson is a guy he'd favour against Javante Davis, that was quite spectacular to come out of someone like Johnny Nelson's mouth. I mean, couldn't believe what I was hearing there. Um, anyway, moving up, um, a good win, like I say, for Tennyson. Josh O'Reilly, you know, really um, thrown in the deep end. You know, he, he kind of padded out his record, and yeah, he, he was down, I think, two or three times. But anyway, the main event, Billy Joe Saunders. He's now 30-0. and 0. Um, I think a shutout on one card. It was very wide in the end. The defense of his WBO super middleweight world title against Martin Murray. I believe that was Martin Murray's fifth attempt at a world title. He's now 36, or sorry, 39 and 6 with a draw. Um, it was exactly how I predicted it would be, really, for Billy Joe Saunders. Um, you know, it is quite disappointing to think that he was going to perhaps get the Canelo fight, then coronavirus happened, and then. There was all sorts of rumblings and, and uh, you know, uh, rumours and stuff like that about him not being ready for a proposed uh, new date. And then you heard it was a load of rubbish, then you heard it wasn't. It was really kind of confusing. But to think that he boxed here and, what's it, about 10 days later or something like that, two weeks later, he, you know, he is, is um, going to be watching Canelo take on a fellow Brit. It could have been him. I don't know why the fight didn't happen, it's just bizarre, but here he was against Martin Murray, and yeah, like I say, it was exactly how I saw it, a wide points win, um, non-eventful really, I think he dropped Martin Murray, but didn't actually get the credit for it, because the referee ruled it a slip, but other than that, he didn't look like he had, you know, he had Martin Murray going at all at any point, and that wasn't surprising, it was literally, bet your money on, on Saunders to win on points, it was free money, it really was, um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of stagnated his career now. Um, you know, the big fights just haven't happened. He was supposed to box Andrade, I think, twice. He was supposed to box um, Canelo. That that didn't happen. I don't know really what he's doing. It's just, um, you know, it's another boring win. I think his stocks kind of go down again. And he's got Zach Parker now, I think, closing in on a, on a mandatory uh, position. So he's going to be breathing on his neck now. And Zach Parker's a young fighter, very, very good, improving all the time, while Billy Joe's kind of, you know, kind of stagnated. I'm not saying I'd favor um, Zach Parker if they were to fight, but, you know, I'm not sure what Billy Joe's doing. Um, it, it, it's just quite disappointing, really. Uh, you know, it's, I don't know. I don't know where he goes from here. Hopefully a big fight, but, you know. I just think the way his career's been going, his recent performances, I'd I'd favour Andrade over him, for sure. 
100 percent um some people won't be happy with that but that's just me being honest uh moving out now moving on swiftly and i'm happy to do so um going to go over here to the church house in Westminster, London, United Kingdom. Uh, let's start with the undercard. A good win for Dennis McCann. He's now 8-0. A learning fight, really, against Pedro Matos, who I expected to kind of get knocked out early, really. Um, he went the distance over eight rounds. It was a good learning fight, like I say, for McCann. Um, you know, he showed a lot of variety in there. I was quite impressed with him, despite him not getting the stoppage that I thought he'd get. But, um, all in all, like I say, good learning fight, good experience for him. Chris Bork picked up a win. He TKO'd in two rounds Michael Ramabaletsa. Uh, that one was for the vacant WBC International Super Bantamweight title. A good win there for Chris Bork. Um, hopefully he gets something, you know, substantial after that win there, because that was quite impressive. He's now 9-0. and and the main event, Lyndon Arthur, now 18-0. and 0, A split decision win over 12 rounds against Anthony Yard, who's now 20-2. and 2. Um, Big underdog, big upset there. Uh, it was for the vacant WBO Intercontinental Light Heavyweight title and Lyndon Arthur's Commonwealth title. Um, we're going to be speaking to Lyndon later on in the show. But yeah, just my thoughts on that fight there. Um, I'm going to run through the rounds as quick as possible. The first round I gave to Lyndon Arthur, um, there wasn't really much in it at all, but Arthur was able to ping Yard with the jab a few times. Round two, close round, not much action. Yard was... Um, was was kind of struggling to get in range. Lyndon's reach played a factor. Perhaps I just edged it to him, so I had him up by a two there. Going into the third round, Arthur, for me, just stole the round again on his jab. Uh, Yard was really struggling with his, his shorter reach. Uh, he couldn't get past Arthur's jab. He needed to step to the side and perhaps open up an angle for himself. But I had it a complete shutout after three for Lyndon Arthur. Um, Lyndon's, Lyndon's long arms were, were really helping him out there. Round four, for me, I gave it to, to Yard that round. Um, he landed a nice right hand early on in the round, which Lyndon took really well, to be fair to him. Yard also remembered to move his head this time, and therefore Lyndon's jab wasn't as effective as it had been in the previous rounds. Yard was also able to get closer to the target and land a jab of his own a few times. 3-1. Going into the fifth round, for me, again, I gave it to Arthur. Um, Yard really wasn't doing enough at all. Arthur landed a decent left hook of his own and a good power jab. Both men could have been doing much more than they were doing I thought at that point but Yard was just seeming to let it slip away um, not too much action in the fight there through the first five rounds round six it was a very 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 close round I thought perhaps maybe I might edge it to Yard but it really could have gone either way there was no urgency from Yard at all he was being hit with jabs he landed a nice right hand on Arthur but again Arthur took the shot well it was such a hard round to score um, it wasn't a good round I thought maybe even Arthur might have edged it. I had just decided to, to, to give it a 10-10, which I don't, um, I, you know, I try not to do. I try to avoid doing that, but I gave it a 10-10 in the end. Um, going into the second half of the fight, the seventh round was a big round for Lyndon Arthur. And when I say big round, I meant he was excellent with his jab. Like I say before, um, the reach was key. Um, the, the quick hand speed as well that he had was really impressive, and he was great with his jab. Um, yeah, so... 
again another round for for Lyndon Arthur round eight I gave to Yard Yard started to close the gap he did well uh, with with body shots and his own jab round nine um, I gave it to Arthur he was beating Yard to the punch he also landed a great right hand on Yard early in that round round ten I gave to Yard uh, probably the most action packed round of the fight at that point uh, round eleven I gave to Yard as well. Uh, you could see the urgency finally was there, but it was just too late on my card. I needed him to get the stoppage to win, or at least a knockdown or two at that point. Uh, Yard throughout the whole fight was unable to cut off the ring as well. He was just following Lyndon Arthur around, and he needed a big 12th round. And he did come out, and to be fair to him, he had quite a big round. He tried to get the finish. He let... Um, you know, he let everything go. Um, he left it way too late, though, in the in, in you know in the fight, and he should have done these things earlier. Arthur was in trouble, but he was able to to kind of hold on. Uh, but I just really didn't like the tactics from Yard. Um, I think he he kind of uh, you know slipped up from the very beginning. Um, you know, he started too late, and Lyndon Arthur again, um, you know, barely threw a right hand at all. It was a complete masterclass with the jab with just one arm and to think that Yard couldn't beat him with one arm um, was a little bit shocking really because no one expected Lyndon to win the fight with two arms let alone one but I think the fact that he had to stay in that position and could only jab it meant that he wasn't risking being hit while trading and that could have spelled danger for him to be honest so I think having one arm in the end probably worked out safer for him and better for him um, but yeah in the end my final scorecard after after giving that 10-10 round which again I gave in the sixth round uh, my final scorecard was um, 115 to 114 in favor of Lyndon Arthur um, like I say, if that round in the in the sixth would have gone to Yard, it would have been a draw on my card. If it would have gone to Lyndon Arthur, he'd have won by two by by two rounds. Um, but yeah, really impressive from Arthur, and I'm looking forward to speaking to him later on. But yeah, that's it for that one. Moving out now, stateside to the AT&T Stadium in Texas, in Arlington, Texas. I'm um, going to start here with the undercard. A good win for Sebastian Fundora. Um, he boxed Habib Ahmed, who, to be honest, you know, isn't fantastic. He's kind of known really for his loss to Gilberto Ramirez um, for the super middleweight world title. And here he was boxing down at 154. So he, <laughs> maybe he was a little bit depleted. I don't know. But he got he got in there with Sebastian Fundora, who's now 16-0 and with one draw. And Sebastian Fundora being six foot five and a half and a southpaw. At, at, at um, super welterweight 154 he's quite a problem um, and yeah he was able to stop Fundora in just two rounds which is you know quite impressive because Gilberto Ramirez uh, it took him six rounds so he's done it in a third of that time there so Fundora perhaps big things for him in the future we shall see um, what, a, what a crazy thing though man six foot five and a half um, and the main event let's just move straight up to the main event um, yeah Errol Spence Jr., 27-0 and 0 now. A unanimous decision over 12 rounds against Danny Garcia, who's now 36-3. and 3. Uh, Defense there of Errol's WBC and IBF welterweight world titles. To be completely honest with you, Eddie, I don't want to spend too long going back and forth like we did, but it, it ended up being the fight I kind of predicted it would be. Um, I think Danny had a good go. I, I really think he had a good go, but he just wasn't good enough in, in pretty much every area. And 
Errol won on points just like I, you know, expected it it would go. Well, honestly, with me, it was um, it was the it was the it was the pace. It was not the pace. It was it was just Earl was busy. Earl was busier. He was more consistent throughout the rounds. Danny landed good shots. Danny was doing you know doing well. But his problem has always been, and this is why he's had those issues like with Sean Porter. He's even had it with um. Ah, geez, I always get his name. Uh, Keith Thurman as well. And it's not so much stepping up to that level because I, I believe he's as good. I think it's just him waiting on the perfect shot too much. And while he's waiting, these guys are still working. You know what I mean? And Earl Spence, that's been his thing. That's his calling card. His, he's busy. He's on the gas. He's landing shots. He's putting pressure on you. That's his style. So if you're going to be able to compete with him, you're going to have to be able to somewhat keep pace or at least give him something that he has to worry about and give something to give something to the judges to actually say, okay, I can see I can give him this round because the scores are going to be wide when you see a guy busy all the time. And it seems like he's winning rounds. You understand what I'm saying? The rounds that I felt like, I felt like Danny was in most of the rounds. Like he had opportunities to win most, a lot of the rounds, but it was the consistency. It was Earl coming in with his jab constantly. And, and by the way, his jab, was excellent that night. It was just like it was on the money constantly. It kept Danny off off base. He wasn't able to land as many counter shots based on the jab because they always kept kept him offset. But I felt like Danny did a pretty good job in finding certain spots for his shots to land. But it was just too few and far between at times. And he would win rounds. He would be in the rounds. Like in the first three or four rounds, I felt like he was very much in each round. But the problem was, once again, Earl's jab. And the fact that Earl was going to not only jab, but he was going to keep that pressure, keep that constant glove in his face throughout the entire round for the most part. The only time that you've seen Earl lose a string of rounds was when he kind of let off the gas and he was kind of moving around and just not being busy, not being himself. And then all of a sudden he comes back in the last two rounds again to try to turn things up. But at that point, Danny was willing, was realizing that it was to the point where it was a little bit of desperation, so he had to kind of pick up the pace a little bit, and uh, you know, get on get on the job with the combinations and the shots. But it was like, yo, if you would have done this even three rounds before and kept it consistent, a little more consistent, you don't have to throw punches as many as Earl's throwing, but you just throw combinations, throw twos and threes, hit every, you know what I mean? Keep the jab in space. If you don't want to throw, you know, constantly throw power shots, at least keep the jab. It's kind of like what Earl was doing. He wasn't constantly throwing power shots. If you look at the stats. They landed the same amount of power shots. It was just Earl's jab that was the difference, and he stayed consistent. You know what I mean? So Danny has the ability. He's he's right there with the rest of them. The problem is waiting on perfect situations. There is no perfect time. There is no perfect situation in, in a fight. You're, 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 you're there to punch. And trust me, I know people have been saying this to me from the beginning of my career all the way until now. So I understand now looking at being, you know, being on the outside, not being the guy, what it means to do that. And if he would have done that, he would have definitely would have been definitely talking about a different uh, result in this fight. Yeah, and like I say, you know, Danny definitely tried, um, especially early on, you know, but I think as the fight kind of wore on, uh, you know, Errol got into his groove. But I've been saying it for a long time, and I'm going to say it again. I just really want to see Errol take on someone who is... Um, a good, true welterweight or a big, 
welterweight. That's just what I want to see. I mean, if we look back at the last five years of his career, you know, he, he, he took on Chris Algieri in 2016 in April, obviously a smaller guy moving up. Then he took on Leonard Bundu, a former European champion who was 41 years of age, obviously beat him. Uh, then he obviously took on Kel Brook, who we know was coming off that knock, knockout loss to Golovkin. He had to have his eyeball took out of his of his of his skull, um, crashing the weight. I'm not again. This it's nothing to do with Errol, but you know it was what it was. There were circumstances there. Then he takes on Lamont Peterson, another guy moving up. Then he takes on Carlos Acampo. Um, he, he obliterated him. He stopped him in one round. But when you look through his resume, he you know, he kind of padded himself out to 22-0. and 0. Then he takes on Mikey Garcia, the smallest of them all. Um, but yeah, I give him credit for that. You know, he, he he was brilliant that night there. Then he took on Sean Porter. It was a very, very close fight. And then he takes on Danny Garcia, another guy who, like I said, a lot of people were agreeing with what I said last week, hasn't really had a brilliant or, or outstanding win at welterweight. He's another smaller guy moving up. Um... I just want to see him in there with, and, and I've got a list of guys that I want to see him in there with. Um, one of it's, it's, it's funny because one of them, well, two of them actually, are smaller guys moving up. But um, I want to see him in there with. I'd like to see him in with Pacquiao. I, I don't mind that fight. Uh, obviously, a smaller guy. I'd like to see him in with Crawford. Obviously, a smaller guy. And then the other two, I'd like to see him in with. I think he has trouble with Keith Thurman and your Dennis Ugas. Um, even though you guys sometimes can really show up or sometimes can, can not show up at all. But anyway, I'd like to see any of those happen. Um, yeah, that's that's the end of the review part, though. We've we've gone through that as quick as possible. Um, yeah, so just before we wrap up part one, the final thing to do, of course, is to welcome our first guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the reigning Commonwealth light heavyweight champion. It is, of course, Mr. Lyndon Arthur. Lyndon, welcome to the show, my man. Absolutely. I'm WBO Intercontinental as well. WBO Intercontinental as well. Slap that in there. No problem. Uh. <laughs> so, so listen, Lyndon, I uh, don't think there's any anywhere else really to start other than your excellent win on Saturday evening over Anthony Yard. Obviously, you were a big underdog going in. Talk us through the fight from your perspective, my man. So it was just a great fight. You know, it was just, it was just a fight of, of, of two great fighters constantly thinking in there. Um, it was, it, you know, that was a, it was, a real, it was a real chess match. It was a real chess match. There was no, there was no, um, there was no real war. And it was it was it was it was a fight of of two um, guys that were just you know was sitting there just constantly being made to think and and, and box a smart fight and just I just feel like I boxed the better fight. And obviously, it surfaced afterwards uh, that you'd hurt your you'd hurt your hand. I, I think people kind of saw during the fight that it didn't look quite right. Um, I've heard also it's, it hasn't been quite right for actually quite a long time. What is the status with your hand? What's actually up with it, my man? I'm gonna. Get, I, I couldn't tell you. I'm gonna get an X-ray. Um, I'm sure they'll let me know. Okay. Cool. 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 And when? When exactly did you injure it, Lyndon? It's a few weeks ago. You know. A few weeks ago. Did you ever consider yeah. pulling out of the fight at all? No, not at all. I, I feel like I'm. I'm good enough to to do what I did, and not only that. Um, if I was a big fight, if I pulled out of that fight, people would have thought I was scared and I was lying. And um, so that wasn't even an option. Because uh, I say this because a lot of people obviously thought 
that you know they they favoured him. They thought he'd win the fight. If they thought you only had one arm, they definitely think he's going to win. But obviously, you box tremendously with that with that factor. Um, he did kind of try and throw the kitchen sink at you in the final round, but obviously, it was way too late on in the day um, f- for those tactics to work. Were you ever in any real trouble in that twelfth and final round? No, at all. Not at all. I mean, like I said, like I said in the polls, he came with a good body shot. So the, the body shot wasn't even that hard. It was just a good shot, and it hit me right across the belly, right across the abdomen, and it took my wind out. And because he did that, I felt like I didn't know if he knew he hit me and he caught me. So I had to stand my ground a little bit and stay there, and, and, and like I didn't want to go back too much. And that's why he was able to catch me again. Um, but the, the you know the shot that he caught me with. Right hand, it didn't hit him. He just caught me off balance because I squared up when I threw the right uppercut. I was, I, I, my faculties all in order. Um, you can see if you watch the fight, I, I was able to defend after that and tie him up. So I was, you know, I was, I was never, I was never in, in, in any dangers to get stopped or anything like that. He just, he just know because he was throwing it looked like kind of looked like that, but it was never that. And I want to ask you as well, um, Lyndon, what what do you think of his power? Is his power, you know, really impressive? Um. I, you know what? I, I I don't want to be disrespectful and say that he's not got no power, but I, I just feel like I'm a, I must have a good chin because I didn't. I was never again. Like I said, he hit me. He hit me. Caught me clean in the in the fourth round. And he caught me clean again in the eighth round, maybe, and then he caught me again in the in the last round. And there was never a chance in the fight where oh, I got I got buzzed at all. I'm, I've been buzzed um, worse in sparring in 16 ounce clubs, and then that's no disrespect to him. Maybe I just got a good chin. I don't know. I think you you've definitely answered that question. I remember him, um, you know, hitting you clean, and yeah, you didn't go anywhere. You you proved so many things: the chin, the, the you know the the ability to be able to you know box with one arm and be in such a dangerous fight and be able to keep it all together and mix it when you had to. You landed a couple good right hands yourself as well. Um, to think that you were able to beat Anthony Yard with with just the jab is outstanding. And in my opinion, you did beat him. Some people thought he might have just edged it. I personally thought you edged it um, I gave round 6 I scored that a 10-10 t- if I'd have given it to him I'd have had it a draw if I gave it to you I'd have had you by 2 all in all I had you by 1 so in my assessment no matter what even if I did give him that round I don't think he deserved to win um, have you watched the fight you know back I watched, yeah go on I watched, I watched the fight back twice the second time I watched it I was trying to give him the fight I watched, I watched it biased towards myself and I won the fight seven five. When I when I was trying like any round that was close, like I thought it was close enough to give him, I give him. And and in in that case, he, he won seven five. But the first time I watched it, I think I won about eight eight four. So you are saying if you watch it, the most bias you can be towards him, you give him the fight though? No 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 no. I give me the fight oh, seven okay. five by two rounds. Okay. Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> No, I think that's pretty fair, to be honest. That's about where I saw it. Um, I believe in an, in another interview you did after the fight, you confirmed there was a rematch clause. Obviously, it's quite unusual for that clause to be in, in the contract in a Commonwealth title fight, especially on the challenger's request. Um, does it look like that is definitely going to be your next fight? I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not too sure. Again, I, I, again, it was right after the fight. I was, I was just amped up, you know. Um, I just won. The journalist was pumping. I got asked a question, would you fight him again? It's like, yeah, whatever, let's do it. But my team will sort all that out. I believe in my team I've got around me and they'll deal with what I've got to do next. 
and obviously you're not too sure what's up with your right hand yet. You've got to go for an X-ray. I'm guessing what they, you know, what they tell you from that X-ray determines what's got to happen to it to make it right. How long the recovery process will be. So my my question was kind of going to be, when are you hoping to fight next? But I guess it's a question you can't really answer at the minute. Yeah, I, you know, obviously I'd I love to get out ne- early next year. Um, enjoy Christmas, can get out probably March, latest April. But again, we don't know until my arm is looked at and the doctors or the nurses or whoever looks at it knows what's happening with it and knows what's good with it. Yeah. And again, I feel like this win surely now deserves to get your name in the conversation with the top light heavyweights in the country. For, for a long time, people have been talking about Callum Johnson, Joshua Boazzi, Anthony Yard. You've now gate-crashed that, in my opinion. Your your name now must be mentioned whenever those other guys are mentioned. Of course, man. Of course, he was, you know, he was overlooking me. Frank Warren was overlooking me. And I'm his, and I'm his fighter, and he was overlooking me in regards to, to talking about making the Yard versus Boazzi fight. When my when the fight with me and Yard has already been made, so that to me looks that to me says that they just think I was going to be easy pickings, knock me out, get the Commonwealth title, go on and fight for Wasi. I thought that was disrespectful. Being the fact being the fact that the fight between me and me me and Yard is already made, and you've got to get past me first. So you know I'm I'm definitely up there now. If Yard is up there, then then what? Then obviously I'm up there now. Yeah, 110%. And do you, do you see some kind of um, similarity similarities, I guess, from the way the fight was, was spoke about? You mentioned there that they're already looking past you for Anthony Yard's next fight. Do you kind of see it like almost like you're Joe Joyce and he's Daniel Dubois a little bit? He's got the same kind of feel to it, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's got the same kind of feel to it. He's got, he's got the, um, you know, the, 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 the disregard of the, the the fact that I won more than the fact that he lost, that kind of feel that's got it's got to it, and you know it's a bit, it's a bit like, eh, is that is this really what you know is this really what's going on? If I really just trained not like ten years of my life to get to the to, to, to my career defining fight in it, as far as domestic level goes, to be disregarded as, as, as the winner rather than like it's actually getting praised for being a loser. Uh, or there's excuses being made for him now. Oh, yeah, he had a bad night, he had an off night. Da, 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 da. No, I was just good on the night. Yeah, and I agree. You know what I mean, man, I, I think I believe my skill set was just good on the night, regardless of what he, regardless of what he brought. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Like I say, I'm, because, because I'm agreeing. If he, because if he could just walk, if he could just walk, if he was able to just walk through me, I'm sure he would have done it. Because as we know, he's a knockout artist and he loves to entertain the crowd, as he says. So if he could have knocked me out, he would have knocked me out early. And give the crowd and the team and the fans, TV, sorry, and the fans the entertainment that he says he, can, he, want, he loves to give. But, he, he, you know, he, he knew he was winning the fight and then threw, up, threw the kitchen sink at me in the 12th round just for a bit of entertainment. I don't believe it. But, you know, it, it is what it is. And he, again, I just feel like my skill set was, was, was good on the night with working with what I had. Yeah, and, you know, Anthony is, um, you know, he's somewhat of a. I don't know if I go as far to say friend of mine, but you know he's he's a guy that has been on this show a, a number of times. He's he's brought me down to the gym to see him spar stuff like that. But I've got to be honest, I've got to tell it how it is. I I thought you won, and even afterwards when he said that he was he landed the uh, you know like the better shots in the fight. Well, that may be that may be true at some points, but it doesn't matter. You know, you, you're getting hit with with ten jabs before landing one of those good shots. You're being outpointed. That's the way I saw it. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. And for the people that you know, um, say it was a boring fight or or whatever, like it's like I I don't understand. Like like when you look at my fights and you look at my style, I'm a I'm a I'm a pure boxer with with power. But if I can box to a win, I will box to a win. And if the opportunity arises, I will take somebody out. The opportunity didn't arise in that fight because take nothing away from Anthony. He was he's, he's a great fighter. But I'm a, I'm a, I'm a boxer before I'm a, before I'm a brawler. Did somebody want me to go and fight the fight mid range to short range to give him to give to give to give him a better fight, a better chance of me? No, that's not how I box. I'm gonna stay away from him and keep him at the end of my range. Boxing the boxing about hit and don't be hit. I'm not, you know, uh, of course I'm an entertainer. I love to please the crowd, please, please the crowd. But in this was my biggest fight to date. The, the, the important thing for me in this fight was to get the the, the, the win, the W. Then move on. I look good in my next fight. But for this fight here, it was important to get the win. I have to do this because where would I gone from here? Because there's the, the, the no chance on earth if he'd have beat me off him beating me in this fight, of him beating my name, Lyndon Arthur in this fight, Commonwealth champion, he would have went on a fought for a world title. The rematch wouldn't even have been a. I yeah. talk about. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you 100, percent man. I, I I love the way you're speaking now. I love the way you fought. Um, honestly, man, it was really impressive. Um, I, I mentioned a couple of the top names domestically. I want to drop down a tiny little bit of a level. I think they both guys I'm talking about here wouldn't be too pleased with me saying that. But a good fight that's coming up next week, next Friday. Um. I just wanted to get your take on it if you've got any interest in that fight at some point. Uh, Shikam Pitters and Craig Richards. What do you think of that one, man? Good fight, man. Good for the British title. That's, a, that's, a, that's also a title I'd love to get my hands on. Um, but it's a great fight. They're both good solid fighters. Shikam Peters, what is he, six foot six or something? He's massive. He, you know, he, he, he's another awkward one. Uh, Spider, solid fighter. Craig Richards, sorry. Um, you know, he's got, got power and pop slugs it out if he needs to. And they're a good fight. Obviously, I'm definitely going to be watching it and seeing what happens with that. Yeah, very intriguing one. And coming down to the final couple questions, Lyndon, um, uh, I want to ask you this. We're in the month of December now. Every December, I ask everyone that I speak to in that month, what's on their Christmas wish list in terms of their career for the following year? So I want to ask you, in a realistic world, where do you want to be? Where can you be this time um, in 2021, this time next year? Hopefully, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm either world champion or knocking on the door for at least. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what now? I've, I've beat Yard and a couple fights away. From it, a fight, or maybe my neck. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm not far from, 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 from making what was a dream when I first started boxing into, into, into my real life situation. So, one million percent, I, I, I would, I would love to be a world champion. I'm going to be a world champion at some point. So if that's, if that's close, then that's, that's, that's my, on my, on my, on my wish list. Yeah, man, I'd love to see that happen for you. I really would. Um, I want to ask you this as well. Um, if you've got any closing words just before we wrap it up, you know, to the listeners, to your fans, I know that I've seen your Twitter followers quadruple in the last couple of days. Um, what's your message to, to your supporters, to your fans, to anyone that's listening? If you want to uh, thank any sponsors, you can do that as well. Take it away. The floor is yours, man. Yeah, man. You know, like you say, my social following is going to mad amounts and, and again I'm, I'm every, I've got a lot of messages like no I didn't really know you before this but now I know you and I'm a fan and I'm definitely coming to watch you in great fight etc etc so just to everyone that's, that's 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 took the time out to send me a message because they don't have to whether they like me or not they don't have to send me a message it's overwhelming it's just 
nothing but love. So I appreciate everybody that sends me a message because it means so much. Because I'm only I'm only boxing because I love the sport and I can do it. You know what I mean? It's, it, it, obviously, it's my career path, but at the same time, I'm, I'm doing what I love. It's, 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 this is fun to me. As hard as it is as a sport, it's still fun, so people don't have to go out of the way and mention me. So thank you to them. Thank you to all my sponsors that kept me going. You know, again, hard time in this COVID time, and you know, just my sponsors are people that help, help me. And, and, and before COVID, sorry, help me to, to, to be able to box full-time um, and, and, and keep, keep me afloat kind of thing. Regards to this boxing thing, so again, thank you to them as well. They, they know who they are. You know, they've got a few that uh, too many to mention, but I know I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative of or everyone that's just on my in my camp, so to speak. And, and thank you to my, Pat Barrett, Tommy McDonald, and Ben Mulligan, Zelfa, and Frankie McDonald. Everyone that's helped me along the way, my sparring partners, just anybody, because without them, they, they, I wouldn't be doing this interview right now. So. And thank you to you as well. Thank you to all the podcasts and all the and all the and all the, the, the people that the, the boxing fans and that take the time out to do things like we all do. You know, you know, it gets our name out there as boxers. You know, without you guys, those boxers wouldn't have a platform probably as much as we have. You know what I mean? So I'm grateful to be in the position that I'm in right now. Oh, wicked words man nice words listen Lyndon it's been a real pleasure speaking with you my friend congrats once again on the deserved win we look forward to seeing your next fight have a wonderful Christmas and a happy new year and I hope we can speak sometime yeah. in 2021 yeah man 100% definitely and you have a good Christmas too okay now it's time for part two on this week's show this part of course the uh, well the news part I'm going to start here uh, with one piece of news that um, that was a bit of a shame, really. It's, it's a shame anyway. It's nothing to do with the fact that I was trying to get him on the podcast. But basically, I was trying to get Nonito Donaire on the podcast because he was set to be fighting, I believe it was on December 19th. He was supposed to be taking on uh, former world champion Emmanuel Rodriguez. The reason he was boxing him is because, I, and I'm not sure what happened, but he was supposed to be boxing Nordi Nubali. Then Ubali... Uh, pulled out for whatever reason and yeah Nonito was supposed to be boxing um, Manny Rodriguez and then I was trying to get Nonito on the show and then it's come out um, earlier this week that he has got coronavirus and that fights off so all the best to Nonito I hope he uh, has a speedy recovery um, in other news, uh, Joseph Parker, he was he was supposed to be taking on Junior Farr, um, a guy who he had a bit of history with in the amateurs. I think Junior Farr was able to beat him once or twice. Uh, they were going to be rematching. And something happened with Junior Farr's blood test, I believe it was. So that fight's now been, been um, I think, maybe postponed for some time next year, I believe. So I don't think there's a date on that just yet, but we shall see. But it's a shame because they were supposed to be fighting before Christmas. And yeah, that's one fight gone. We've lost quite a few fights right before, you know, right in the month of December, right before Christmas. We were supposed to be getting uh, Nonito Donaire against Ubali, then Nonito Donaire against um, Manny Rodriguez. And then, like I say, this one here with um, Junior Farr and Joseph Parker. And also Luke Campbell and Ryan Garcia. They were all fights that we were supposed to get, but... None of them are happening, all down to corona, coronavirus. But anyway, that's it for the news. Um, now it's time for Eddie's quiz question. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. This should be quite easy. Um, one of the listeners sent this one in. Um, this this one I think you definitely should get, Eddie. Um, oh. It's been sent in from the Mauler on Twitter. He says, I've got one for Eddie that he might get. Um, he says... 
he said he feels bad for you because you've you've took a few L's. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess uh, you should feel bad. <laughs> Somebody, especially the ones where I, I knew I had the answer right and just didn't say it. That was frustrating. <laughs> Do you know what he said after he sent the question in? <laughs> He said that he'll say the wrong answer and then claim he was thinking the right answer. <laughs> truth, truth be told, I swear, the 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 this what was it? Um, I got the Sunny Listening one. I think. It was, wait, no, I didn't get the Sunny. What was the two I got? I, I got the Foreman one. I should. I should keep I know, score. I'm gonna have to go back over them and try and uh, keep a scoreboard. But both. But 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 the one with the Joe Lewis, a hundred percent. Hundred percent, I was going to say Joe Lewis. All right, one million percent, I'm saying. And then, the, and then the other one last week, I thought of Floyd Patterson, and I said, should I say that? And I said, you know what? I don't know because I don't remember his son's name. So I was like, he probably didn't have a son, or I didn't remember he had a son. And I'm like, oh, dumbass, Tracy Harris Patterson, and boom, yeah. All right, well, so I mean, percent legit. But anyway, go ahead. All right, so here is the question: Which heavyweight champion had a backing group called? The knockouts. A backing. So yeah, so a backing group. So he he had his own kind of band, and they were called the knockouts. I should get and I should get this one. Yeah, <laughs> man, you definitely should get this one. And they, and they were called the knockouts. The knockouts. Why the hell should I get this? This I, is I, easy, this man. This is this is easy. I knew this one like straight away, man. Oh, the uh, the knockouts. And a backup band called the Knockouts. Hold on, don't say anything yet. So now, obviously, this has to do with somebody who got a lot of fucking knockouts. That's <laughs> that's pretty pretty obvious, right? But I don't ever remember anyone having a band. So that's that's the only fucked up part about it. So I'm trying to figure out. There's a lot of people that had knockouts. A lot. It's a heavyweight world champion. Remember. Okay, so heavyweight so world champion. Heavyweight world champion, obviously. It's not Fury or, or uh, Joshua. No, it's somebody former heavyweight world champion. If you don't and get this, band. man, I'm going to kick myself, man. Well, I mean, you might have to get your foot back, pulled back because you might be ready to kick yourself. Because I honestly, and the thing is with me, is like, I don't know how far in history this is. Band called the knockout. Like, I just. Sure. Just think of the, uh, you know, think of some heavyweights that, um, oh my God. If you think of some mm-hmm. heavyweights, you know, like popular heavyweights that, that, that everyone knows about, like it's, it's a heavyweight that every, I'm going to say it's not Muhammad Ali, but it's a heavyweight that everyone knows about. It's not Mike Tyson. <sighs> but it's somebody... But every everyone knows. Everyone knows of this heavyweight. He had a he had a uh, you know a music group called the Knockouts. I think they did some touring around around um, around America, I, I guess. And I don't think they were very good. But you know they <laughs> were what they were. Because I would have fucking remembered them. <laughs> but <laughs> he had a uh, see, and I. It's starting. Something's starting to come, like come, come to mind. But uh, fucking knockouts. He had a music. All right. Uh, 
Nah, I'm this time. I'm not going to even say a name. I was going to say something like, "Hold on, wait." Have a have okay. a guess. If you don't get, it, I'll give you two guesses, man. If you get it wrong the first what, time, what what ethnicity? What ethnicity? Yeah. Well, most black, black. most heavyweight world champions, you know, have, have been black. Really, let's be real. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I'm just saying. <laughs> and he was American, right? American black. American black. There you go. All right, American black son. If that does not narrow it down, but okay. And he's a very, very, very popular heavyweight. He was. I'm really giving you clues. He was a very popular figure. Oh, 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 wait. It was uh, the 90s era or the. Nah, nah, nah. Before that. So. It was before, so he's like 80s, 70s, 80s. Like around the time of Ali. And fuck it, man. I'm about to just throw a guess out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> and they tore it around. Joe Frazier. Yes! Yeah, I don't know how I got that shit. I don't know how I got Joe Frazier. I don't know how I got it right. Yes! Because I have fucking. <laughs> that was a cool. You know why I guessed Joe Frazier? Why? Because I figured the era. And then I used to look at how he dressed. I never learned. I never. I don't remember hearing about that though. I don't. I, unless I just forgot about it, because you know my my manager was like, he dealt with a lot of those guys, and he was a big, a, a really really good friend of Ali's. Yeah. So, but I don't. I don't. I I, I didn't. I wasn't sure, but I just had to say Joe Frazier because it sounds like something he might fucking have. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. But no, I, I, I don't know. I, I remember seeing videos of Ali kind of mocking Joe's Joe's band. I believe, you know, like it was the knockouts. And I'm thinking, you don't know how close I was saying. What was the saying? Like when you start saying, I was like, wait, what? What era? Because I wanted to make sure I knew what era. And then I started thinking, when we say famous. Everybody knows him. He's not Ali. He's not Mike Tyson, but he's got to be. He's one of the more famous names. If you talk about Ali, Frazier's fame, not as famous as Ali, but he's close. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like he's well known. But yeah, it, to be to be honest though, it's because of Ali. But anyway. Okay. Well, yeah. there we go. Yes. Even if it was a guess, it was oh. a, it was a W. And um... hey, listen, I closed my eyes, threw the shot out of the dark, caught somebody, knocked them out cold. I'll win. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> maybe, 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 yeah, maybe you're part of the knockouts. Maybe. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> they weren't. <laughs> but yeah, you, you took me to his gym. Did, I did. I did. You seen it. Yeah, yeah. We went by. It's a, it's a sad, sad situation that it's a fucking furniture, furniture store now. But the reality of it is, and you can even see the imprint of what used to be. And I think they're keeping that there on purpose. Yeah, for sure. I've actually sparred there several times. It's just it's unreal, and then now it's gone. My dad used to tell me stories about them having like shifts of guys to come in the gym because it was always so busy. You know. Yeah, yeah, legendary spot, which is um, sad to see. It has um, has yeah has become a furniture store, which is uh, unbelievable. But you can still yeah. see uh, that it says Joe Frazier's gym above the sign um 
Anyway, yeah. moving on, moving on to... We've done the news. We did Eddie's quiz question. I'm so pleased that you got the W there. Now we're on to the to the preview part. This one takes place tomorrow night. Live on Channel 5, um, we get to see Mick Hennessy Jr. on the undercard. 4-1 with a draw. No opponent just yet. But the main event, the main attraction, Sam Eggington. He was on the show, I think it was last week. He's 28-7. and seven. He's in a 12-rounder against Ashley Theophane, who is having his first fight back in the UK for many years, I believe. I don't, I can't remember when it last was. I think it's about seven years, something like that. Um, obviously, Ashley Theophane, um, you know, he upped and left, packed his bags, went to Las Vegas, became part of uh, the money team, hanging around Floyd Mayweather. He's, he's come back from that he's you know he's run out of his contract with Floyd and he's kind of gone on a bit of a world tour he's been boxing all over the place I think in Dubai in in Poland places like that all over the place and um, he's back he's back home 48 and 8 with a draw he says it's going to be his final fight of his career Uh, it's a dangerous mindset to have when taking on someone like Sam the Savage Eggington but we shall see both guys friend of the show um, made a best man win. Moving out now to the Wembley Arena in Wembley, London, United Kingdom. Let's start on the undercard. We get to see Florian Marku, 7-0. and He's in an eight-rounder. Um, he's boxing a guy who, because I know his original opponent had to pull out, I think maybe with Corona, um, and he is boxing... Oh, it's, a, it's a replacement, but I can't remember the guy's name now. Um... Yeah, not entirely sure who it was. But anyway, he's boxing a a, a last-minute replacement. I think the guy is undefeated. Uh, I think it's Jamie Stewart, actually. Um, but yeah, can't remember what his record is at the minute. But all the best to him. Uh, we get to see Kez Ashfak, 8-1, take on Ashley Lane, 14-9 with two draws. Kieran Conway, 15-1 with a draw. I remember being at his... Um, I think he lost or he drew with Ted Cheeseman. I was at that fight. Um, He takes on Macaulay McGowan, who's 14-1 and with a draw. Made a best man win there. Brilliant heavyweight fight between the two guys that have only lost to one man, and that was the same man, Michael Hunter. Uh, Martin Bacoli, 15-1, and taking on Sergei Kuzmin with an identical record, 15-1. and That's over 10 rounds for the vacant WBC international heavyweight title. Um... That's a good fight. Martin McCauley's already trying to look ahead and he's saying he wants to hunt a rematch and stuff like that. Bad time to be thinking about that on fight week against Sergei Kuzmin. Kuzmin's a really good fighter. Kuzmin went the distance with Hunter. You didn't, Martin. You you got stopped in the final round. So um, that's a brilliant fight. There's good money to be made on Kuzmin, by the way. Um, and there's money as well in this. And I'm going to say it's it's about even, so it's not fantastic money, but... I think that fight goes the distance 100%. So um, have a look at that for the fight to go the distance. Two heavyweights going the distance. Doesn't happen too often, but I think it happens here. And talking about another heavyweight fight that I think is going to go the distance, um, as much as I'd love to see him pull off a knockout, Huey Fury, 24-3. and three, 10 rounds against Marius Wack, 36-6. and six. Um, Perfect kind of fight, really, I think, for Huey at this part of his career. He needs a win against someone like that. If he looks impressive, hopefully they can make a fight for him after that with a bigger name and um, a juicier fight. 
Uh, Lawrence Sicoli, 14-0. He was supposed to be boxing for the world title, but since Glowacki had to pull out with coronavirus, in steps another Polish fighter. This guy is called Nikodem Jezuski. He's 19-0 with a draw, but it's not for the world title. So Sicoli's now fighting for the vacant WBO International Cruiserweight title. And the main event... Um, Anthony Joshua, 23-1, and he defends his WBA, IBF, WBO and IBO world heavyweight titles against Kubrat Pulev, 28-1, and over 12 rounds. Um, Eddie, I actually think that this is going to be a much better fight than a lot of people think it's going to be. I've been saying that from the very beginning. Um, I think the fact that Anthony Joshua hasn't boxed in a year will play a factor. I think the fact that Anthony Joshua hasn't boxed in the UK um, for two and a bit years, I think almost um, almost three years comes into it a little bit. Um, no, I think it's just, just over two years actually. And um, I also think it comes into it that he hasn't boxed anyone aside from Andy Ruiz for um, yeah for over two years as well. So... All those things matched up with the fact that Kubrat Pulev isn't much shorter than um, Joshua. He's just an inch and a half shorter than him. And um, also the fact that Kubrat Pulev has got such a deep pedigree. Um, You know, even though Joshua was able to win a gold medal in the Olympics, the much more seasoned amateur is Kubrat Pulev. And yeah, he's got that one loss to Vladimir Klitschko, who was fantastic that night against Pulev. But other than that, man, he's a he's a solid, solid fighter, and I think it's going to be so much more competitive and more dangerous of a fight for Joshua than ninety nine percent of people are saying. I think I think you're right to a degree. The only thing that plays a part age and yeah, a hundred percent. You you cooked the word right out of my mouth. It was was you know he's thirty nine. You know he's going to be forty soon. Um. I still think, obviously, you know, you can be aged that much, and you know, obviously, still have a obviously have a great level of experience, and as long as you can still move, you can still do your thing, and you're still uh, capable, and you're not too damaged at this age, you should be able to compete. But the fact is, man, Joshua is obviously a lot younger; <laughs> he's a lot fresher. You know what I mean? He's he's got the confidence. He's he's right the wrong that he had with um, with Andy Ruiz even though I felt like Andy Ruiz beat himself in a little, in, in certain spots as well. But man, it's, 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 uh, it can, it's going to be a much better fight. I agree, Joey, than what people think. Cause you know, Pulev is proud, you know, he, he believes he can win this. He believes this is an opportunity to come back. I mean, he was beaten by Klitschko, but you know, I'm pretty sure he feels that Klitschko was a much better fighter at the time that he beat him than when he fought Anthony Joshua. So, I mean, and honestly styles make fights. And I feel like he he probably feels that Joshua's style is a little bit better and a little bit more conducive for him to be successful than Vladimir's style was. You know what I mean? So he's uh he's definitely a live dog in the fight. I really think he's going to he's gonna push Anthony Joshua a little bit. And I do like what you said about him not being in the ring with anybody, of course, other than than one particular opponent, Andy Ruiz, who definitely poses a, a hell of a problem. For any, for any opponent he faces, you know what I mean? But it is a different style matchup. And like you said, he has a hell of an amateur pedigree, Pulev does. Uh, and he's just he's just been around the block a few times. So he does have enough to push Anthony Joshua, you know, to great lengths. And I think 
the fight will go rounds, maybe. But I, but honestly, if it doesn't, in my opinion, I would think that it would be Pulev getting put out of here. That's just my opinion. I'm not saying that Pulev can't get Joshua out because obviously we've seen, we've seen Joshua can be knocked out and can be taken apart. But I just see that if it's an early type of thing, that it would be Joshua, not Pulev. Pulev will probably be more, you know, mid to later rounds, you know what I mean, and, and, and by then take over. Yeah, I think the mid-rounds is where Joshua probably gets him out of there. I don't think it's going to go points. Um, I think he gets him out in the mid-rounds. And I just want to point out as well, the last time he stopped someone in the first half of a fight was was four years ago when he stopped Eric Molina um, in three rounds. And, um, you know, I think Molina as well was a bit of a late replacement, if I remember correctly. But, um, yeah, that's the last time he did anything like that, you know. So um, it was a late stoppage against Klitschko, a late stoppage against Takam. He went the distance with Parker. Um, he, he stopped Povetkin in round seven after, a, you know, a few um, big moments for Povetkin. Then obviously got knocked out by Ruiz, and then he beat him on points in the rematch. So I don't think it's going to be an early night. I think it's going to be um, mid-rounds at the very best for Joshua. I think Pulev is, you know, he's too experienced to, to get took out that early. I think also, I think he's, I think Joshua's going to be really nervous as well about this fight, man. There's a lot on the line. Obviously, they're talking about the big one with Fury. Um, there's a lot of pressure on him. I think he's going to be a bit nervous. And um, Pulev's going to be full of belief. This fight was supposed to take place back in, um, back in, 2017 when Carlos Takam took the fight. Um, I can't remember what happened why Pulev couldn't fight him, but yeah, this this fight is pretty much three years in the making, uh, just over that. Right. And um, yeah, Pulev's got a tremendous jab. And that's and that's my point with thinking that if anything was going to happen, stoppage watch for Pulev is going to be later. And with Anthony Joshua having that nervous energy and that extra drive to, to get the job done, we be the reason for him to go and possibly if he was going to catch him and get him out early. You know what I'm saying? That nervous energy that, that you know, maybe he catches Pulev with some kind of shot early on, which he can possibly do, and then take advantage of it, obviously get him out of there. We've seen it happen with Vladimir, but trust me, that's Vladimir, and that's Vladimir on a good day. So, you know, when I'm not trying to say Anthony Joshua was a Vladimir Klitschko. We, we're not going to go that far. But I am, I am saying that Anything early, in my opinion, would be more with Joshua. But as I see the fight going, I see that the later the fight goes, the more that it would swing and pull as favor. So I, I'm not saying that he's going to win the fight just if it goes to decision, pull left. But I am saying that he'll have a better shot the longer the fight goes. The experience, the you know, what will get him through the tough storms that he may face with uh, with uh, Joshua at different points in the fight. Like you said, the middle rounds with Joshua is going to be real big, pretty much uh, with, with you know, his attack and, his, and that's going to be his time to really shine. But he's going to have to be able to do it over a longer period if Pulev is able to survive those rounds. That's why I was saying, if anything, early, it's going to be really, it's going to be more, more to Joshua than Pulev. But this is boxing. Anything can happen. But just look for it to be, as the fight goes on, Pulev is going to do better. I still think Joshua wins, maybe mid to late round stoppage. Maybe. But if he's going to get him, if he's going to get him out, out. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel like that could be her. It could, it could happen her. 
that nervous energy could just you know maybe catches him and gets him out of it. Anyway, we'll see. Mm-hmm. But I'm liking it. It's it's, it's um, youth against you know experience and it's power against um, against a boxer really. You know, uh, Joshua has been the distance. Uh, just twice, and Pavek uh, Pulev, sorry, has been a distance fourteen times. Um, yeah, moving out now to the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut, USA. Uh, one fight to mention over here; it's quite a good one, actually. Richardson Hitchens. I've been hearing a hell of a lot about this young guy. He's eleven and zero. He takes on former world champion Argenis Mendez, who's twenty-five and five with three draws. Hitchens is saying that he's going to get him out of there. That'll be quite a statement. Um, Ronald Ellis as well. He's a prospect, seventeen and one with two draws. He's in a ten-rounder against Matty Korobov. Uh, that's that's a very interesting one. Korobov twenty eight and three with a draw. Obviously, his three losses came to um, who did he lose to? He lose he lost to uh, Chris Eubank Jr. Uh, you know, I think which might have been his last fight where he got injured or whatever, and they had to stop the fight. Uh, then he obviously lost a really close one with Jamal Charlo, and then obviously he lost to uh, Andy Lee by KO. So he's a really really good fighter and if we're talking about you know guys with deep amateur experience this guy is the guy uh, the main event over there though chris colbert 14 and 0 for the interim wba super featherweight world title he takes on jaime arbaleda who's 16 and 1 um moving out now to the champion boxing gym in georgia usa a couple guys to mention over here we get to see friend of the show heavyweight prospect cassius cheney 19 and 0 he's in an eight rounder against jason bergman who's 27 and 18 with two draws all the best to cassius cheney hopefully he's 20 and 0 this time next week and also the son of evander holyfield evan holyfield um, he's 4 and 0. He's in a four rounder against Donis Reed who's 3 and 7. Moving out now to the final card to mention it takes place in the bubble at the MGM Grand Las Vegas Nevada. Um let's start with the undercard we get to see Rabisi Ramirez the Olympic gold medalist he is 5 and 1 he takes on Brandon Valdez who's 13 and 1. Uh, also on that undercard we get to see uh, Edgar Belanga, 15-0 and 0 with 15 first-round KOs. One of the most exciting guys in the sport of boxing right now. He's back here. He takes on um, Ulises Sierra, who's 15-1 and 1 with two draws. And Sierra, in his one loss, wasn't stopped. He, he lost his last fight to Vladimir Shishkin on, on points. He was pretty much shut out. That one was um, 11 months ago. Um, and in that fight there, it took place in Iowa. Um, that's an interesting one. Imagine Belanga actually gets to 16-0 and with 16 KOs in the first round. That would be crazy. Also on the bill, Felix Vadejo, 27-1. and He's back. It's a very kind of weird fight. Um, he's back. Uh, he gets in there with... Masayoshi Nakatani, who's 18-1. and one. His one loss came in his last fight, which was um, a year and five months ago now, when he lost on points to Tiafimo Lopez. A lot of people were very critical of him after the fight, saying that Tiafimo is a hype job and all the rest of it because he couldn't knock this guy out when... In, in in reality, this guy was a very tough guy, so I don't expect Vadejo to get him out of there. That could be quite interesting if he sticks around and asks uh, and asks um, Vadejo questions late on. Very interesting. But the main event, the main attraction, um, it's a non-title bout, 
which is quite interesting. But anyway, it's up at Super Feather. Um, Shakur Stevenson, 14-0. He takes on Toka Khan Clary, who's 28-2. Um, Toka Khan is a guy that I know was sparring... Um, Good rounds with Tevin Farmer in the build-up to the Jojo Diaz-Tevin Farmer fight in which he lost. And uh, he's a very good fighter, Toka Khan Clary. Obviously, he's got the two losses. One came to John Gamino and one came to Kid Galahad. Um, but yeah, he is he's a tough guy. I don't think he's had too much notice. I don't think either guy's had too much notice, actually. I think they're pretty much stepping in there um, with two or three weeks notice, the pair of them. So um, all the best to both guys, but obviously we want Shakur to win that one. Um, he'll be 15-0. It's over 10 rounds. Not sure why it's not It's not um, for a title. I've kind of forgot. I think he, he's a world champion, I'm sure, Shakur Stevenson, isn't he? Even though he moved up, or is he... No, he's not. Of course he's not. He moved up, didn't he? He's... Um, yeah, he, he, it's a shame because he... Won the world title, you know, a year and two months ago um, at featherweight and then didn't defend it at all. He just vacated it, moved straight up, and um, he's trying to get a shot, obviously, for the WBO title, which um, Jamel Herring currently holds. He's right up there in position. So, anyway, we shall see. It's very, very messy, uh, you know, in the WBO rankings at super featherweight. There's a lot of guys at the top waiting for shots. But um, that's it, though, for the preview part. We did the reviewing, we did, uh, we brought the first guest in, of course, uh, we, we then started part two by doing the news part, then Eddie's quiz question, we've just done the preview part, the final thing to do before we wrap up part two and finally end the show is to welcome our second and final guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated super lightweight prospect. It is, of course, Mr. Harlem Eubank. Harlem, welcome to the show, my man. Hello, thanks for having me, man. My pleasure, Harlem. I, I appreciate you uh, you doing this. We got there in the end. So, Harlem, you're fresh off your, your win last week. I do want to get to that. But first off, you've managed to compile this record now of 11-0. Really impressive. I want to touch on a couple of those fights. Let's start at the beginning. Obviously, the Eubanks have got that strong connection with Brighton. You were born there like a lot of the family. You made your pro debut in Brighton too, which is great. Do you remember much of your pro debut? Yeah, for sure. Um, it was it was a case of I'd you know I'd been pro for I turned pro, and it was maybe you know four months without anything going on, trying to trying to get on a show, um, trying to trying to kick off my pro career, and um, there was a show coming up in Brighton being put on by uh, Scott Welch, who was one of my amateur. Uh, trainers, one of the, the uh, who owns the Brighton Hove Boxing Club, and they were putting on a local show. So, you know, he was like, uh, "The show's going to be in three weeks' time or so, something like that." It was a pretty short notice one, nice. and uh, I was like, "Yeah, let me jump on that." Um, got everyone riled up for it, sold a load of tickets, and and kicked off my pro career um, in Brighton. Wicked man. And obviously, um, you know, having such a famous surname, especially in British boxing, do you kind of feel pressure? Obviously, you're, you know, you got Chris Eubank Jr. with just tons of pressure. He's got not just the surname, but the first name as well. Do you feel the same sort of pressure having the surname like that? Um, there's there's time. There's, it definitely comes with more pressure because people watch the fights differently, I think. Um, you can be 
you know, you, you, you can not have even thought yet, have your debut and people are expecting to see uh, the finished product. And that's not the case. It always take, it takes time to learn uh, the art form. It takes time to learn and like many years of dedicated practice. And uh, a lot of the time people expect to see the, the finished product uh, attached to the name straight away. And it's, that's not the case. It's, it's always a building process. So, um, yeah, I, I, there's there's always harsher judgment and uh, and competitors that want to bring their best to to get that name on their record as well. That's a brilliant answer, man. And in your third fight, obviously you boxed in Monte Carlo. What was that like? It was it was a strange experience, to be honest. Um, um, Monte Carlo, it's like it's a little bit like a show city. Um, it sounds, you know, it sounds great, but um, I mean, really, you're just in 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 an unbelievable hotel um, for two or three days. Um, it sounds flash, but when you're making weight and and doing them type of things, it's just uh, it, it's just like another another place, you know. There's another you're just lo- you're in your room. Um, restricted eating so it's not it's not some a place you can enjoy it's just uh i don't know i don't know if monte carlo and the flashiness of it attached to preparing for a boxing fight is i don't think they go together too well so you don't get the experience of the actual place maybe but yeah it was my first time fighting abroad and uh, um adam brought up a few opponents for me and and uh picked the more difficult one and Went, we, we went for for a uh, challenge early on in my career to test myself. Yeah. And then obviously you put together another six wins. Then we get to 2020. Let's discuss the 2020 you've had. It's been impressive despite it only really starting off late on in September. Obviously you took on Martin McDonough. McDonough obviously had that one loss to Daniel Egbenike in a fight that I was ringside for at York Hall. Uh, you got in there with him though. You had that previous with him from the amateurs um, in which I believe he came out on top. But on that night back in September you did a proper job on him and took him out in the final round tell us about that it was a brilliant win mate thank you um yeah it was it was uh i guess it was a fight that could brew nicely um for the boxing public obviously with the history um it's never for me it's never you, you know boxing is it's not personal it's it's there's no emotion attached to there's no emotion attached to you know previous results in the amateurs um my mindset is all on my progress, so I, I, you know, I see myself as a different fighter every month. Um, so it was a case of, although I, I think he kind of attached a lot, a lot to the amateurs and a, a lot of confidence, you know, to to the amateur encounters. It was it was a completely different fight from the way I was looking at it, and uh, I approached it and and executed it uh, as so. Yeah, and like I said, it was impressive. And then obviously last week, uh, you know, you, you, you take on the aforementioned Daniel Egbenike. Both of you being undefeated, both of you being the only two men to beat McDonough, like we say. Uh, it was a hotly anticipated fight. And again, though, you get in there, you show even more improvements, and you get the win. Uh, tell us about it. a brilliant fight, obviously, midweek. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It's a, it's, uh, it's a different style. Um 
uh, Daniel Egbenuka has a completely different style to Martin. Martin was more um, always on the back foot, um, looking to just kind of ta- tag um, and move. So it was, it was always going to be a different type of fight. And uh, I knew Daniel was going to be a lot more um, in front of me and uh, look to counter as well and look to um, and look to launch his attack. So I knew it was going to be a different fight. And it was just about applying um, a different aspect to my game. And uh, it was, you know, it's a style which is more fan-friendly in terms of um, how the fight plays out. Um, with Martin, I'd, I had to, you know, I had to make it rough in there. Um, but with Daniel, it was a little cleaner. There was times where we went on the inside and it was, you know, um, a battle of strength and picking shots. But um, it, it was a lot uh, cleaner work than the uh, the type of fight I had to make it with Martin. And obviously after the fight, there was talk about this possible shot at the English title. Is that the, uh, you know, the kind of major title that you've got your eyes on at this minute? Um, well, that fight was an English title eliminator. Yeah. So... I think naturally, you know, people are going to be talking about the the English title now. Um, but my eyes aren't re- my eyes really aren't on individual titles. My eyes are just on progress. And when you know when the next fight arises, I'll be ready to put in another performance and 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 show more improvements. Um, and for me, it doesn't really matter at this stage what titles attached to them fights. It's about it's about taking again competitive fights and and learning in the ring and and uh yeah show, developing in the gym and and, and sh- showing them improvements and how they play out on fight night and obviously you mentioned you're trained by Adam Booth um who else is 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 in the the gym with you Harlem because I'm always kind of forgetting obviously you had Joe Joyce in there at one point then he was kind of doing his own thing who's in the gym on a on a day-to-day with you uh, so day to day, obviously it varies, and who's in training camp and and uh, who's got fights coming up. But we've got the girls, we've got um, Ellie Scottney and Shannon Courtney. Uh, we've got Michael Conlon, Josh Kelly, um, Abbas Baru, yeah, um, and we have uh, we have loads of other boys as well. Um, so um, mm-hmm. it's. It's a uh, it's a great group of uh, a great group of fighters, lots of talent, and uh, we all bounce with each other. And I want to ask you this as well, Harlem. Um, obviously, you're ending 2020 um, on, on on a brilliant a brilliant couple of wins. Um, when ideally would you like to be back out in the ring in, in 2021? How soon? Early in the new year. Um, I went back into the gym today and just continued to work. Uh, the next things that I need to develop my game. Uh, I'd like to be out early next year. Uh, realistically, early February. Um, this seems, this kind of date seems the most realistic. Um, but yeah, early in the new year, and I'd like to be busy um, fighting very regularly and getting active next year. Excellent. Um, I'm excited. 2021 brilliant i am for you too um i want to ask you this as well we're in the month of december every single december everyone that we that we speak to we like to ask what's on your christmas wish list in a realistic world 
what do you want to yep. where do you want to be this time next year this time next year i'd like to be at least at least 15 16 fights deep um and again just developing with each one showing improvements each one and after you know after a year of five six fights um showing improvements at the same rate i think i'll be in in a very strong position at the end of the at the end of the year in 2021 so um yeah that's that's uh that's what, that's on my wish list Excellent. um as you know in this game it's it's about the work it's it's there's less luck attached it's more uh it's more um how do you get these developments in, in training and the fights? So, um, yeah, it's, it's maybe not a wish, but a plan to to uh, make the improvements and um, get the fights and, and and show the same level of um, growth in each fight. Well, there we have it. It sounds like a plan. It sounds like a good plan to me. And just finally, Harlem, if you've got any closing words just to our listeners, just to people that support you, and also uh, if you've got any sponsors to thank as well, if you want to give them a quick mention as well, no problem. Yeah, but I want to thank New Era Metals um, for supporting me through the process, Raw Sport, uh, some of the best nutrition in the game, um, Plants Only by Gaz, um, Vegan Chef, quality and um yeah that's that's uh that's about it but um yeah follow me on on instagram facebook and twitter at harlem eubank straight through and uh follow the follow the process there we have it follow that journey believe me but listen harlem it's it's been a real pleasure speaking with you my friend congrats once again on the win last week i wish you a merry christmas and a happy new year and i hope we can catch up again at some point in 2021 for sure, bro, for sure. Appreciate it, man. Have a have a uh, a Merry Christmas yourself. Okay, and this wraps up episode 269 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A massive thank you to our two guests on this week's podcast, the reigning Commonwealth and WBO Intercontinental Light Heavyweight Champion, Lyndon Arthur, and of course, the undefeated and exciting super lightweight prospect, Harlem Eubank. There has been one piece of news break whilst we've been recording the show, and it's that the son of British Box in legend Ricky Hatton will be making his pro debut in February of 2021. Campbell Hatton has signed a promotional contract with Matram Boxing. So that'll be interesting. Of course, he's the spitting image of his father, for those that haven't seen a picture of him. Uh, but that's about everything from myself. Thank you all for listening to this week's podcast. Remember to tell a friend to tell a friend about the podcast. If you have any quiz questions as well for Eddie Chambers, be sure to send them in to me on Twitter at BoxHardPodcast. Um, enjoy your weekends, people, of course. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.